Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Big Apple Hockey. And there is a lot to cover. There's always a lot to cover, but, I mean, there really is a lot to cover today. And I, of course, am your host, Mark Williams, and I can ever get the banner up in time because that's the last thing I forget. Uh, <laughs> that's just the last thing I always remember to put up. And I'm joined by the man, the myth, the one and only Mr. John Volkowski. Is it October yet? No, it's not. And God, do I wish it's going to be October. You know what, Phil? The one good thing that we've had in the two years of doing this podcast, this now being the second year, is short off seasons. And Mm. we won't have any more short off seasons after this. Um, And back to July 1st, Canada Day, free agency and all that stuff. But there's so much. There's don't worry, we're still going to be having hockey content the entire summer because that's this is what we do. This is what we do. Um, Philk, so and we're going to get to that a little bit later, Core. We're definitely going to get to that. So, and how you doing, Mike? But we're going to start with the news of this week. And by the way, everybody, make sure that you tune in. We're going to be live streaming the draft next Thursday, starting at seven o'clock. And then the week after, we got the inner the free agent of frenzy. So check that all out. But this week, Philk, uh, I think it was your prediction came right. Oh no, no, Anthony's prediction came right. Uh, the Colorado Avalanche win the Stanley Cup four games to two over the Tampa Bay Lightning. Yeah, Phil, uh, your uh, thoughts on the series. I thought Tampa Bay was going to come back. I had Tampa Bay in five. I thought the goaltending matchup would uh, be basically at a, at a at a severe advantage for Tampa Bay, but it, it just seemed like it didn't matter. It seemed like no matter what Tampa did, Colorado had an answer for them. It seemed like Colorado's speed was just way too much for Tampa. And um, – the, the defense and the goaltending, it really didn't matter. Uh, depth wins and Colorado had depth in spades. It'll be interesting to see what who they can and can't keep at this point. But um, Colorado's got a great core, um, and they were able to get it done. They were able to just keep pouring and pouring it on, and a lot of um, a lot of Tampa's forwards and their defense looked kind of like they were skating in quicksand compared to Colorado's forwards just running circles around them. And, that was that was a, uh, a a great series for Colorado. Congratulations to them, and uh, they're probably going to be around for a bit. I would say it's amazing, really looking at that series. Not, not that any of us doubted Colorado's talent because they have a ton of talent, and the expectations for them were still so high that they could win the Stanley Cup, even though they haven't even been able to break through the conference finals the entire time. And then for them to go through the playoffs that they did. I did write an article on big apple hockey podcast.com that said they kind of had an easy road. Uh, and again, I wasn't trying to take away from them. They, they had an easy road. They had a Nashville without UC Soros. They had uh, a St. Louis without Jordan Bennington. And then Edmonton was okay. So, and then they learned their lesson right in game one going toe-to-toe with the Tampa Bay Lightning and just beating them 4-3. to They took a 3-1 lead. Tampa came back. 
Uh, they didn't convert on that power play right away. And you thought that might be edge Tampa in overtime, but instead what happens is Colorado gets the goal from Murakowski and they go on. Now I, I do have to say this cause I also got to keep plugging the website for us. We do have big apple hockey podcast.com right there where we're going to be having lots of write-ups and a certain handsome writer. Let's just say it's, it's right here uh, wrote about, all the obstacles that the Avalanche are going to have to go through next year. So toot, take a look toot, at that. Toot, 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 toot. <laughs> you want to toot that horn of yours more, buddy? Yeah, well, I got to toot a little bit more. It's shameless self-promotion. That's exactly the way all the internet works. Although I, I do have lots of shame anyway. But, but Phil, you know what? It seemed like every question Colorado might have had in this series – Tampa, uh, just, they just answered them all with Tampa. And the best team to do it against is Tampa. Two-time defending Stanley Cup champion. I've talked long enough. I want to hear more what you got to th- say about that. It, it, it's funny because this was the matchup I wanted to see last year. I wanted to see this so badly, and it just didn't happen because Colorado just couldn't get over the hump. Um. Darcy Kemper really wasn't even that good for them. I, 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 not that I think he was bad, but he really didn't have to be all that great for them. He was pulled a couple of times for Pavel Franco. Um, Andre Vasilevsky was not at his best in that series. I, I think they found a way to get to him. I think they found a way to uh, expose his blocker side high problems. Um, and in Colorado overall, just moved the puck so efficiently. Kale McCarr was was dominant. He, he really was probably the best defense uh, defensive performance we've seen since Brian Leach in a playoffs by a defenseman. But um, he, he, he deserved the, the Smythe. He, he deserved it. Um, he, he was just brilliant. Uh, More Nathan, on Kale McCarr and awards later. Yeah. Um, Nathan McKinnon was Nathan McKinnon again, proving that he's one of the best playoff performers of this generation. He might end up being one of the best playoff performers of all time when it's all said and done. Uh, Tampa not having Braden Point hurt. Um, Tampa, you know, they ended up being gassed. They ended up having some injuries. But, you know, I, I got to give a lot of credit to Tampa as much as I don't like a lot of the guys on their team. They 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 went through a lot. They played a lot of playoff hockey over the last few seasons, and uh, they still managed to make this a series when Colorado was well-rested and Tampa Bay was not after a long series with the Rangers. Mm-hmm. So uh, good, good on – Good on Colorado to take advantage of it. Uh, and then Tampa, I mean, let's see what happens going forward with them from here. More on that in a little bit as well. So, Yeah, and would you happen to say, I, I think this is actually the biggest storyline that's going to come out of Colorado's offseason, is that Joe Sackick, by the way, Consmite Trophy winner and two-time Stanley Cup champion for the Avalanche as well, uh, but Joe Sackick, as the president of GM, needs to sit down with Nate McKinnon and say, what are we paying you? Because we need to know so that way where you don't out like budget themselves this offseason trying to re-sign guys. You could possibly re-sign all these guys that they have as free agents like Nazem Kadri. But if Nate McKinnon's salary is doubled next year, which it very well might, that's going to be a huge problem, Philk. Here's the issue. Nazem Kadri is going to look for Mika's Zibanejad money. 
and, and rightfully so. He scored at a pace of, of 100 points this year, uh, 87, I believe, points in uh, 71 games. You were correct. Yeah, and he uh, he's definitely looking for at least Mika's advantage at money, and he's going to get it from somebody. I don't know. If, I don't think the Avalanche are going to be the team to do it, but I think he's going to get that from somebody, and he, and he does deserve that type of money. The thing is that you have Alex Newhook waiting in the wings, and Alex Newhook was the 16th overall pick that Jeff Gorton wanted from Joe Sackick at the 2019 draft, funny enough, for Chris Kreider because they wanted to deal Chris Kreider at that draft, and they were that close to a deal. But Joe Sackick refused to move that 16th overall pick because he had his eyes on Alex Newhook and figured he would be available at that pick. So Alex Newhook is the guy that's going to be kind of the – the the I guess the um, in-house replacement for Nazem Kadri. He looks like he could be ready sooner than later. Like, yeah, there might be a little bit of a struggle with him next year. He might not. He's not going to put up anywhere close to what Kadri did this year. But Alex Newhook could jump into that offense and realistically put up, I would say, forty to fifty points next year. Colorado isn't going to lose much stride, and they're going to keep the cap. I mean, you just re-signed Gabriel Landeskog to a seven million dollar a year deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, Miko Rantanen's under contract for at least another few years at mm-hmm. what 9.5, I believe. Then Kel McCarr's contract obviously kicks in. Uh, I mean, Nate McKinnon's going to get at least, I would say $11 million, if not closer to 12. I, I hear Colorado Avalanche fans talking about, Oh, McKinnon's going to stay. You're going to take a discount to stay. Nope. Well, we'll see what happens. We'll see nope. what happens with that because those words get tossed around so often and very rarely does that actually happen. Let me let, and 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 Phil, you and I both know this. Who is the head of the major of the I almost said the Major League Baseball Players Association because that's where I'm going. But who is the head of the NHLPA? Donald, Donald Fear. Donald Fear knows about raising salaries. And when you got the top guy on the market and Nate McKinnon, if he hit the open market, he'd be saying he he he, he honestly believes this, and so does Scott Boris, by the way who is um, the baseball super agent that you're not negotiating for your contract. You're negotiating for the next guy's contract. That's what the union wants you to do. So Nate McKinnon, he he might be the most humble guy in the world and he might just be the most competitive guy. And he might say, yeah, everybody, every player. Yes. Some guys take a discount, but not that much. I was going to, I was just going to bring up the Artemi Panarin situation. Artemi Panarin took less from the Rangers as opposed to the Islanders and some other teams to go play for the Rangers. How much less was that? 500 K. Yeah. I think it was even less. I think, yeah, actually, you know what? It was 500 K. You're right. It was about five. It was about give or take 500 K. I mean, I, I started so, thinking about it. I'm going, no, you're right. <laughs> My math is off. How, how many million is Nate McKinnon going to leave on the table? Cause you got to remember that adds up over years. Mm-hmm. And, so you're 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 looking at 500k over eight years is four million right there, yeah four four, four million. So that's four. You're, is he really going to leave four million on the table? Is he going to leave? You know, like and and anyone that tries to think that you're getting Nathan McKinnon under ten million, I mean that's wishful thinking. Good luck to you. I don't think it's happening, but if they do great for Colorado and good on him for wanting to keep a team together and still getting paid. But I, I doubt that happens. I really do. 
and, um, and also it's Colorado. It's not Texas or Florida. And where I'm getting at is no state income tax. There is yeah. plenty of taxes in, in Texas. So it's, there's a lot of things you have to cover with that as well. Um, then this question of who's, who's in net, are you going with Darcy Kemper? You're going with somebody else. Is Darcy Kemper looking for greener pastures elsewhere based upon his, now he's got a Stanley cup and he has a great record with the Arizona coyotes. The only thing that I would answer with Darcy Kemper is health. Uh, McCarr's contract kicks in next year. They got a couple other guys that are on uh, one or two more years signed. Valeri Nichushkin, he is going to get paid by the Colorado Avalanche because he's a key part with them. Um, there's 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 a lot of guys. Burkowski is going to price his way out. Uh, I I would I would think. I I think Burkowski's gone. Uh, it, he scored, I believe, what sixty one points this year. I, uh, I actually have it for you. It was in the article. I said, uh, what went right? Pretty much everything. Here's a list of co uh, the Colorado core that had career best seasons. Ranton in 92 points. Kadri, 87 points. McCarr, 86 points. Burakowski, 61, as you said. Devin Taves at 57 points. And Devon. Valeria Nachushkin has, oh, Devon, I did it again. Sorry, I have a nephew named Devin. I keep going back to that one. Anyway. Sorry, Devon. He sounds like a like a male model. It should just be his only name. Just go with a mononym. Anyway, Valerina Shushkin, 52 points. And then, Phil, the other thing to mention, it wasn't his career best point total, but Nate McKinnon had 1.35 points per game. Like, imagine if he played the full season. He might have been up there with, with – uh, with all the, the leading scorers, the way he was going at it. I think it was 65 games, I think he had, and he had 88 points. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Six, 65 points in 88 games. Let's let's do a little math here. So 88 divided into 65 is 1.353 times 82. So, yeah, that's 111 points. That would have been a career high for him. So um, And easily yeah. a career high. Yeah, and Nathan Nathan McKinnon had a, had a great year. I mean, they, th that whole team had a great, great year, and they were they were a stacked offense for a reason. But you're you're not going to be able to keep all these guys. They have right now they have about twenty five million, yeah, twenty five million six hundred eighty five thousand in projected cap space right now with no LTIR used. Um, they one, two, three, four, five, six, seven forwards under contract. Nick Abe Cabell and Arturi Lekkinen are restricted free agents. Yes. So they'll be back. Albay Cabell is really like a fourth liner. He's not going to get a whole lot. Lekkanen is a guy that could get a decent amount compared to what he was getting. I, I, kadri has gone for sure for me. Because mm. how do you, how do you re-sign Lekkanen, Albay Cabell, Burakovsky, Kadri, and Nichushkin? And I also, think. again, don't forget, you have to double McKinnon's salary. Josh Manson's all also gone, but no, but McKinnon McKinnon's not due for a contract until after this upcoming season. Like I right, but it. if you sign somebody to a multi-year deal, that's going to really mess things up. No, I, I, that I, is. I I get what you're saying, but here's the issue, or here's the issue with that. JT Comfort and Je and Eric Johnson both come off the books after the 2023 season. That's mm. 9.5 million freed up. That's 9.5 million. And then the year after that, after the 2024 season, 
you, you've got to pay Devontae's. And that's mm-hmm. going to be a significant raise. He's going to be looking for at least, I would say, $6 million. So, I mean, Josh Manson is more than likely not back. Um, Darcy Kemper, I don't know how they're going to be able to re-sign him, too. And, and that's going to be another one. Dar- Darcy Kemper. One. So, so you have to re-sign Obey Cabell, Lekkonen, Burakovsky, Kadri, Nichushkin, and Kemper. Seven, six guys, rather, sorry, that you would really want to keep back. And you have $25.685 million to do that. Personally, I, I don't see that happening. I, I think Kadri's gone. I think you could re-sign the others with that space. Maybe not, probably not Kemper. I think Kemper's going to make $6 million plus. So I think Kemper's probably gone too, but uh, yeah. So it's it's stuff that there that every single year a Stanley Cup champion has to deal with because then it's becoming they they start picking at who won the cup. They're now they're got guys with with uh, Stanley Cup pedigrees that are on there, and it's it's what happens every single year with every sport that they just go, that guy won a championship, get him on my team now. So can't help with that one. All right. So by the way, we want to know what you guys think. Throw your comments down below. Don't forget to leave a like, share, and subscribe on this. And also got to tell you guys, but in between every single segment about Manscaped. And if you're using Manscaped and there's Phil, he's got the performance, the lawnmower 3.0 right there in his hand. Phil, what's one of your favorite features about that, to be honest? Is it the light? It, uh, the light works excellently because sometimes, you know, you, you got to go where they say the sun doesn't shine. So, yeah, you kind of need a light there. Um, but I, I like the the blade itself. Um, it has no neck technology. So it actually does really work very well. Unless you're kind of being an idiot with it, you're, you're never going to nick yourself, which is great. Yeah. Um, and then it, it really does cut through like hair. Like, like you see these arms, like that's hairy. I could, I could literally trim <laughs> this off right now. And I have before, so I, I, I don't care. No shame. But um, yeah, it, it works very well. It works quickly. And it, it's just, it's really worth the money that you're going to pay for it. It's, it, and it's not, it's not totally expensive either. And definitely. And you also just remember BAH. In the, in the uh, discount code when you're using it, 20% off and free shipping. There you go. So, guys, check it on out. And they got a whole line of products. They got the Weed Whacker, which is probably the best nose trimmer that I got. It's between that and one other thing that obviously I'm not going to mention at the moment. But uh, it's, well, because you, you don't mention it while you're hawking something else. That's just stupid. <laughs> so, oh, I you were talking now. All right. I, no, I no, the nose tremor. Yeah. Cause I mean, I, I get those noses, those, those hairs in the front. Those are always so terrible. So guys, check it all out. But we got more stuff that we're going to be covering and we're going to be doing it right now. Uh, also, uh, anybody that's listening on iTunes or Spotify, thank you very much because we appreciate every time that you guys are listening, whether it's in the car or on podcast or anywhere else. So let's go to this, Philk. The Hall of Fame announced who is going in this year. There's a lot of uh, good candidates, but the three highlights that we're going to be talking about is three Canucks 
Hendrick and Daniel Sedin and goaltender Roberto Luongo. By the way, Phil, do you know that Roberto Luongo had 483 wins after he left the New York Islanders? Yeah, that, that sounds about right. I didn't know the exact number of wins he had after he left the Islanders, but I can tell you right now, um, Roberto Luongo is absolutely one of the best goaltenders to ever play the game. Um, and he was a, ver- a top prospect. At, at the time when he was drafted by the Islanders, he was talked about being the greatest goaltending prospect since Patrick Waugh. People were saying that he's going to be the next great, great goaltender. And they were all right. They were all right about him. Um, he ended up being that guy. You know, 483 wins is, is nothing to sneeze at. That's got to be. I believe it was 487. 487 total. 487 total? Oh, yeah, four, right. he yeah. only had four with the Islanders. That's crazy how he had only four wins with the Islanders. Yeah. I, I now I'm curious because I, I want I want to see this because this this is crazy to think about. But four four eighty nine four eighty nine wins. Um, to be correct. Oh and my bad. He, he had seven. I'm with double the checking. Islanders. He went seven fourteen and one with the Islanders. <laughs> Damn it. But, but yeah. Um, so it, it, I, it's just incredible to think that you know. At 36 years old, he had a 35-win season and took the Florida Panthers back to the playoffs. I mean, at a 30, at 38 years old, he he won 18 games and had a 9.29 save percentage. At 38 years old, that's 9.29 is immense. That is that, that is that's immense at that age. That's that's yeah. not even right. Henrik Lundqvist wasn't even doing that at that age. So, but um, Luongo is one of the best to ever. To ever play the game, uh, I mean, in net, he's just great, great guy, funny on Twitter. He deserves it. And the Sidine Twins, what else is there to say about these guys? What else is there to say? 1070 10, points for, for Henrik in 1,330 games. And for Daniel, 1041 in 1,306, including 393 goals. They were two of the best players of their generation. Henrik had 830 career assists. I mean – these guys went one and two overall the the shenanigans and the chicanery that Brian Burke pulled to to get the two of them in the 1999 draft basically sending out a bunch of smoke signals amongst other GMs and fooling them into thinking that they weren't worth those two picks good on you Brian Burke that that's just hilarious how that worked and then um they were they were just great. Uh, I mean, you could go through a highlight reel of their plays and it kind of almost mirrors someone like Pavel Datsuk with the stuff that they used to do together, the two of them. So you think about it. uh, I mean, each one of them has a scoring trophy, um, which is just great for, you know, Henrik has the, uh, Oh, and he won the heart in 2010 along with the Ross and, and, um, and Daniel won the 2011 Ross and the Pearson and then won the King Clancy in 2018. So, I mean, oh, yeah, and Olympic gold medal of Sweden in 2006. Yes, and we're going to get back to the Olympic gold medals in a minute because I know what some people might be saying with, oh, but they never won a cup, blah, blah, blah. But it's called the Hockey Hall of Fame for a reason. It's not the NHL Hall of Fame. Yep. So uh, there's lots of players that have made it without being great. Where I, if you guys noticed me smiling right there, is Phil caught me in an error just a minute ago, and I got him right now because he said the Sedins went one and two overall. 
They didn't. They went yeah, two and three. three. Sorry. Sorry. Oh, no, it's all right. Because <laughs> that is the reason why I'm asking you. Do you know who went one, four, and five in that draft? Uh, one, four, and five. Patrick Stepan went one. Uh, Correct. Number four and 99. Who selected uh, the Rangers took Pablo Brendel at four. Correct. And uh, five in that draft was uh, – what team was that? I can tell you the team. What's the team? New York Islanders. Oh, um, that was um, Tim Connolly, I believe. And he's got it. Yeah. So, Yes. And then I believe it was three picks later, the Rangers got uh, Jamie, Jamie Lundmark instead. Yeah. And by, and and the best player involved in those trades, because the Rangers traded with the Calgary Flames, ended up being Mark Savard. And Jan Halavich had a better career as a New York Ranger than Jamie Lundmark did, or Pablo yep. Brandel for that matter. So yeah. the Rangers got back Jan Halavich in that. Okay. And – oh. But, you want you want a funny little tidbit about uh, Jan Halovich and Pavel Brendel? Yeah, go ahead. Jan Halovich. Well, they Pavel, besides that, they went for the Eric Lindros deal. Well, they were also dealt to or almost dealt to another team for another superstar player that same offseason. Do you remember who that superstar player was? You know I do because I made a whole video about it for you. <laughs> uh, that would be Yarmer Yager. <laughs> yeah. Craig Patrick pulled the plug on a deal and then turned around and dealt them to uh, Washington for a nothing package of uh, Chris Beach, Michael Civic, and uh, Ross Lupashuk. Oh, and Fran- Franishek Kushera as well for yeah. Yarmir Yarmir. And How did that work out for you, Pittsburgh? It, you know, you always see it in the scroll at the bottom, but that was in our What If series. Uh, there's still some more what ifs that we have that we can make right now. I still want to make one of what if John Tavares stayed with the New York Islanders, but this was one of Phil's first ones. And the second one of course was uh, the, what if the Rangers drafted Brian Getzlaff instead of Hugh Jessamine. And that was also uh, an insightful one. So go ahead, check out the what if series that we have. We still have many more of those to go. And it actually makes more sense than the Marvel what ifs, to be honest with you. But still, that's a different story. Phil, going back to this. So you have Roberto Luongo with 489 wins and a gold medal. Because there's two goaltenders I think about with this. And I'm going to say the second one for after for the next question. But out of the people that are making that are first time eligibles next year, who is going to make the Hall of Fame? And there's your list. So I mean, Ch- Henrik Lundqvist is absolutely making it, and I don't think anybody else deserves to make it. Really? All right. No, I think I, Justin Williams is going to find his way in there one day. I don't think it's going to be exactly. I don't think Justin Williams should. I, I oh. it's not. It's not just the. All right. So is 797 points really Hall of Fame worthy in 1264 career games? Short answer: No. It's not okay. uh, three three time cup winner. Okay, cups are team statistics. They're they're, they're not an individual player statistic. And one time Smythe. And he won a Smythe. Okay, so he had a bunch of clutch playoff goals throughout his career. Yeah, great, great. That that that's awesome. But at the same time, why would he get in 
And here, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you some names, and I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you some stats with them. So, Pat Verbeek won a Stanley Cup in '99 with Dallas. Mm-hmm. He ended his career with 522 goals, 1,062 points in 400. And tw- uh, I'm sorry, uh, 1,424 games. Why is why should Justin Williams get in over a guy that scored? Almost 200 more goals than him, and almost and okay, what 300 more points? Almost 300. Uh, three, almost 300 more points. You said, yeah. So why why does he deserve to get in? Why why does he deserve to get in over Pierre Turgeon, who scored 515 career goals? 1,327 career points in 1,294 career games. Won a Lady Bing in 1992-93. Had a 50-goal, 132-point year that year. 58 goals to be exact. Why does he deserve to get in over any of those guys? And there are other guys that are still not even in there that we haven't even talked about. Why does yeah, he Yeah, and we're going to save those for the next question, by the way, in a second. Well, what, what, yeah. Yeah. But so we're going to save that for the next question. But um, yeah, obviously it's Henry Glundquist, a guy that has handled his career with grace and just an absolute picture of class. And uh, I mean, you run out of superlatives to say if he was on this New York Ranger team in his prime, he would put up numbers like Igor. So that's just, yeah, that's what I personally think. And let's not forget, he won a Vesna in an offensive era with a goals against under two. So that's not easy to do. And this guy, I mean, and Henry Glundquist probably played goal in New York at the most difficult time for anybody in their career. Maybe Eddie Jockerman can uh, say otherwise playing up against um, Bobby Orr in the playoffs because they couldn't get past the Bruins. But the, the Henrik Lundqvist had to deal with Alexander Ovechkin and Sidney Crosby in their primes. Getting and then th- th- there were so many things. And, 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 he, and he put up the most wins of a European goaltender. So there you go. Henrik Lundqvist is in. But uh, by the way, no Joe, Jay Bomeister, no Brent Seabrook for you. Why would Jay Bomeister be in there? Uh, they they gave up his uh, that he's got Olympic titles. Forgot what the uh, NHL. I'm going looking up the NHL Network said about him right now. Uh, Jay Triple Crown gold winner. He won a Stanley Cup, World Cup, and an Olympic gold. That but, that's the highlights. So Jay Mo Bomeister was good. Bomeister got a cup, and I don't even did he even play, well he played during that run, but I don't even think he played in the finals. That's a great question. I, I don't know. I don't, I'm not I, even I, sure. I honestly don't think he played in the. Okay. So, oh no, he did. He did play in the finals. Okay. Never mind. He played 26 games. Okay. So it was the year after that he, he did. David, 100% right on that one. But, but 424 points, 88 goals in 1,240 games. He wasn't regarded as one of the best defenders in his, of his generation. I mean, he looked like he was going to be a great defender for a very long time in his early years of Florida. 
Like the, those first couple years, the first few years back from the lockout, he looked like he was on a trajectory with Florida to become one of the great defensemen. Uh, we're getting an echo on your end, Mark. Oh, all right. I'll, I'll just mute real quick. I, I don't yeah. have, I don't have any windows. Well, I mean, I have the window open, but it's, it's, uh, it's on mute on that one. So we shouldn't be getting anything. Yeah. So but, getting um, an echo? No, no, not right now. Not that I okay. can hear. Well, so, well, you know what? Let's go right to the next thing. Uh, in who is not in the Hall of Fame that should be? Pierre Turgeon. Uh, Agreed. A must. Um, Alexander McGilney is absolutely a must. Um, Jeremy Roenick is a must. I mean, it boggles no- my mind that Jeremy Roenick is not in the Hall of Fame. There's a couple of guys, um, if you allow me to just pull up a list real quick here. Sure, go right ahead. Like Keith Kachuk uh, isn't in the Hall of Fame. You know what? Um, he's a good case. I, I, I just wonder really, like, I would personally. I, I could see why they wouldn't, but I, I could – see why you know he should be as well i mean joe thornton will be soon enough i mean mm. 1539 career points 12th all-time in scoring and obviously I, I, patrick marlowe is going in i don't think marlowe should go in really okay i don't i i don't think of him as one of the best players of his generation I, I, I don't think of him as a top 10, 20 player of his generation. I could think of 20 players from his generation that were probably better than him. Uh, he wasn't the best player on his team. Um, he won no individual awards. He mm-hmm. didn't win a cup. The only reason why he's going to be in there is probably because of the fact that he um, you know basically broke Gordie Howe's games played record. And yeah, that that's great, but... For a, you know, for probably about two two of those years, maybe three, he was a shell of himself, and he was kind of oh, yeah. just. I, I'm sorry, I just don't uh, I don't agree with it. But uh, I mean, definitely Tur- Turgeon is actually the only retired player in the top forty in scoring that's not in the Hall of Fame. I would argue Bernie Nichols. Uh, Vinny Damfus is another. Like, if you're going to put in Patrick Marlowe, then Bernie Nichols and Vinny Damfus absolutely have to go in. Yeah, and I have trouble with Bernie Nichols and Vincent Damfus. I like them both as players. Damfus, I actually think, is a better player than Nichols. But it's – I would have trouble putting them in the Hall of Fame. And I, I like Raider. I mean, I, I, I could see why people would be hesitant to put Bernie Nichols in there, but – Bernie Nichols is a member of the 70 goal and 150 point clubs. Or so I mean that that's a pretty exclusive list. He has three 100 point seasons, 1200 points, and he he retired with over a point per game in his career. That's really good. Yeah. So, um but I, I could see why you'd be hesitant to Vinny Van Vinny Damfus, but Vinny <laughs> Damfus was for a very long time, a very consistent player. He was very productive and very good two-way guy. So, and and you know what? I mentioned it in the video. Uh, geez, the old video I did on this channel. 
that goes all the way back to best moments in USA hockey history. We're in the 96 Can uh, World Cup, or I think it was I think it was called the World Cup of Hockey. Then it wasn't called the Canada Cup, but it was World Cup of Hockey. It was World Cup of Hockey. Okay, good. Dan Foos pulls out that breakaway move that he used on Richter in the 96 and Richter, robbed him. and Richter completely robbed him. And it wasn't, and he's, he was still pretty much fooled. That was where Richter had to jump over and get the stick down on it. But uh, that was where he was able to get that again, going back to going back to Jeremy Roenick, you know, 500 goals, one of the best American players of all time. I understand that's not something to grade on. I mean, I know we never won a Stanley cup, but Jeremy Roenick was one of the best in the league. Jeremy Roenick in the early to mid-90s was one of the very, very, very best players in the league. Like Patrick Marlowe, I, Patrick Marlowe was nowhere near as close to being the best player in hockey as Jeremy Roenick was during that time. And if you and, don't believe us, play NHL hockey on the Sega Genesis. I was going to say something about that, but I mean <laughs> – but Jeremy Roenick had back-to-back -back 50 goal, 100 point seasons. He had he had three straight years, I believe, of 40 goals. Um, I believe there were three straight years of 100 points as well. In I think it was 90, 92, 93, and 94 were all 100 point seasons for Roenick. I mean, he was he was one of the best players in the game. There's no reason why Jeremy Roenick shouldn't be in. If you're going to let Justin, why is Justin Williams even up on the ballot? That's what I want to know. Well, they, I think they mentioned that he's going to be eligible next year. Not even that he's on the ballot. I think that's just it's the NHL network. Just that, their that, guy. I Listen, another guy that deserves to be in, and I'm actually really, really shocked that he's not, is Rod Brindamore. A matter of fact, David put that up in the comments just now. Uh, and I, I got to agree with you on that. I thought Rod Brendamore had a great career, but you know what? He does fall no, into that. David. It was, uh, Lauren Darkin. Oh, that's right. Sorry. Sorry, Lauren. I, I, I didn't even see that. I was, I wasn't even looking at the chat, but, uh, oh, I, I wasn't even looking at the chat. I, I have the other window open. So no. I can look at the, uh, the poll question that's on there, which by the way, right now, our poll question is at 50, 50. It is, should the New York Rangers re-sign Andrew Kopp? So, uh, we're going to be more on that in a moment, but, or should, or will they, it's either one, but uh, the, the other, but now I'm just regaining my thought on this. Uh, by the way, Phil did all that stats from, from up here. He didn't, uh, he didn't need to go uh, Google that for a second. So it's, it's again, when I think about guys like that, like John LeClaire is not going to make it. Because I don't think overall his career. No, his numbers um, aren't good enough. He was able to be there. But Kachuk was one of the best uh, USA goal scorers of all time. I mean, I do question about Mike Richter. Mike Richter, who no, uh, 300 no. wins. 300 wins isn't good enough? No, not but, anymore. All right. So Roberto Luongo is in. He has 489 wins. Henrik Lundqvist. We think he's going to make it there. I believe the final number on Hank was, was it 459? I think. Hold on. It's, I have to look that. Yeah, yeah. I forgot the exact number. Um, I, I went on without that. But Philk, one of the guys, Henrik Lundqvist. 459, uh, sorry. It is 459. All right. I did have it right. Um, One of the guys that Henrik Lundqvist uh, dethroned or uh, he passed in his final year 
is Curtis Joseph. Curtis Joseph has an ungodly amount of wins. He's not a Hall of Famer to you? Uh, no, he, he should be. He okay. should be. I, I mean, I, I, that one I don't get. I, I, I mean, am shocked when I saw I, that one. He retired top five all-time in wins. Um, he was He was one of the better goalies of his generation. You think about it. During his generation, I, I could name the number of goalies that were like flat out better than him on like one hand. Mm-hmm. And it was, was, was Wah, it was Belfort, Hashik, Brodeur. And then who else could you really say that was flat out better than Curtis Joseph? For his career, I wouldn't say it. Individual seasons, there were times Mike Richter was better. That was it. It was individual seasons. I'm talking career. We, yeah, I don't, career, I don't. career wise, it was. And the funny part was the Rangers nearly replaced uh, Mike Richter with Curtis Joseph in in the '97 offseason. So yeah. that's that's kind of like an oddity that was right there. Um, you know, I, honestly, I just I I don't understand how Curtis Joseph's not in that guy. I, I, without even looking, he's got to be top 10 save percentage all time career wise. And that was always the thing with Curtis Joseph. Curtis Joseph always played better with the more shots he faced. It seemed like those games where he wasn't facing a lot of shots was when he was letting up the bad goals. And, and it was just like, okay, like I, I need to see more rubber. Like, let me, you know, let more pucks fly my way and I'll start playing better. But like, this was, this was a guy that, played on a lot of teams that were not great in front of him. He never, like until he got to Detroit, he never played behind a great team. He played with uh, St. Louis and St. Louis in the early nineties was a good competitive team. I mean, you had for a bit, you had Adam Oates and Brett Hull together. And then when Adam Oates was traded for Craig Janney, it was, it was Oates or I'm I'm sorry, uh, Janney, Shanahan and Hull. And I mean, who else did they really have? Like their their defense, what, Jeff Brown? They didn't have anybody great until Al McGinnis came there on defense. And then Chris Pronger obviously was traded for uh, Brendan Shanahan, and we all know how that went. But um, they just – he Curtis Joseph did not play behind a lot of great teams. He ended up going to Edmonton after St. Louis, and Edmonton was a, a bubble team that only made the playoffs because of – crazy seasons from Doug White and Ryan Smith in different years. And then the goaltending of Curtis Joseph. And then he went to Toronto and then it was the Curtis Joseph, Matt Sundin show. And they had guys like Sergey Barazan, Mike Johnson. No offense to you, Johnny. I, I like you as a, as a broadcaster, but love you as a broadcaster. Yeah. Just, I mean, where was the talent around Sundin and Curtis Joseph until maybe the, those couple of seasons before the the 04 lockout when they started getting the over the hill past prime guys like the Owen Nolans and Ron, Ron Francis, Ryan Leach and stuff like that, where they were bringing in those guys, but Toronto was not a great team. And then after the lockout, Curtis Joseph was, he was, he was in the twilight of his career by then. So, and uh, Sean asked a great question on this one. Uh, what is the team you think of with Curtis Joseph first? I think of him as a leaf. It just I, I I always do just because uh, it's either a leaf or a blue for me just because of the fact that like when I was growing up and I first started playing the the NHL hockey games, Curtis Joseph was one of the better goalies in the video game as a St. Louis Blue, 
And mm-hmm. then he had those nice run, you know, nice runs as a, as a Leafs goaltender. They went to the Eastern Conference Finals in 99 before they ran into the, uh, before they ran into the Buffalo Dominic Hoshiks and, um, you know, lost to them. But uh, I, I'd have to think of Joseph as a Leaf. Actually, and I have him as a blue in my mind and a Leaf, like, tied. And But you know what? Think about him in Edmonton. It, 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 he pulled off one of the greatest upsets of all time. And yeah, I do mean the words, he pulled it off. It is yeah. one of the rare times that uh, a goalie just comes out and says, I know it's a team sport, but nah, they're not winning. And beating Edmonton in game seven. Dallas. And, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. D- Edmonton beating Dallas, who I believe they were. No, they were the number one seed in the West. That he year. robbed Joe Newendike on that, on that, what should have been a goal. When he robbed Joe Newendike, that was one of the greatest saves I think I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, and and Curtis Joseph had no business making that save, but he did. He and did. he will he will Edmonton over Dallas. And again, by the way, when we talk about Alexander McGillney and you talk about the Hockey Hall of Fame, the contributions internationally are in there, and him being the first Russian to defect in 1989, easy to remember, it was his jersey number. It was that that's immense. That's huge. Granted, it didn't help. Uh, uh, Slava Fatisov coming over because he was trying to negotiate his way over and then McGilney defected and then if you ever see the Russian the Red Army uh, documentary that delayed him a few more years as well but so I don't get how he's not in that that we're, we'll talk more about that in a bit but yeah we're gonna talk more about that in a minute all right guys and uh yep the NHL hockey games uh, Curtis Joseph as a blue always my thought all right so Guys, once again, who is your thoughts on who should be in the Hall of Fame? Who's not? Who's going to make it next year other than Henrik Lundqvist? Henrik Lundqvist is in. There's no way Henrik Lundqvist doesn't make it on his first ballot. Unfortunately, Henrik Lundqvist is the Dan Marino of uh, of, of hockey. I mean, more so than Jerome McGinley, I think, because he only played one team. But that's a different story. I'm going to get away from that because we're going to go into another segment. Once again, everybody, don't forget to check out Manscaped. And go to manscaped.com, get the performance package, get 20% off in shipping when you put in the promo code BAH. So, and also, by the way, we do have a partnership with betus.com as well. And that is, uh, that's in the link below that you can get a bonus on that. And let's click all this out. And guys, let's do some bar talk. I'm going to take a shot on this one. You're going to see beer. I'm buying everybody around on this. Oh, my God. I know I have to update that for so many reasons. One is we got thin svelte filk right over there. And uh, very svelte, very svelte. And then we also have a brand new logo that we're actually debuting today. If you guys see it in the top uh, right corner. Uh, yeah. Well, it's, it's for the watermark. Uh, it's, yeah. it's one of those things we're going to be hat. We're having hats and jerseys coming on out soon enough, but 
Guys, everybody, welcome back to Big Apple Hockey Bar Talk, where we are gauging our confidence on NHL topics based on our choice of drink. Are you not so confident? Oh, my God, I just need a shot. Are you so, so, then you just want a beer? Or are you so confident you're going to buy everybody around at the bar? Come on! And I'll be doing that a little bit at the Wanto Inn later, because I'm going up to go see a couple friends of mine tonight. <laughs> you know what you know what david the whole pro- yeah by the way that's that that's how you know i'm really worked up when i, when oh, I did. everybody around on. <laughs> um anyway oh. folks so we're gonna start with the one that is the poll question of the day and i am actually gonna close that poll right now when you're talking but the new york rangers will lose andrew cop I got a feeling that it's going to happen. I'm going to say, I'm going to say beer and I'm kind of leaning towards shop because um, there, there's a rumor we're going to talk about in a little bit. I know some, some of the uh, commenters have uh, mentioned it and it's been going around. I posted about it on Twitter earlier. Um, mm-hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to go beer, but I am starting to lean towards shop with this. And to be honest with you, you know what? I don't mind it. I, I, I think he fits better as a wing. They need a center. And I, I think the organization knows this. I, I think they need someone who's going to come in and help be a real difference maker. Andrew Kopp is a very good player. I do like Andrew Kopp. But I'm not giving Andrew Kopp $6 million or whatever he's looking for to, to stay here as a winger. Like, he, he has played center. He can play center. But he's another one that, you know, face-offs are not a strong suit. And I, I, I really wonder about how effective he would be as a center. So I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say beer, but I, I'm leaning towards round. I'm actually gonna buy around on this one because um, I'm gonna go the opposite of what you're saying. Not focusing on what the Rangers think about him. I think you're gonna get teams like Detroit, like Boston, like all these other teams. Maybe even like. Uh, there's going to be teams that are going to be throwing some money at him, especially ones with lots of cap space. Let's say like the Buffalo Sabres that have a ton of cap space. But I look at the Detroit Red Wings, of course, because that he's from Michigan. I think Detroit's going to start coming out of their rebuild this offseason. It's sort of like the way the Rangers did in 2019, signing Artemi Panarin, signing, um, trading, and then signing for Jacob Truba to um, – let's just say a not so favorable deal. And it's, it's, they're ready to compete. I think people will want to get Andrew cop. And then it does have to do with the Rangers budget. I'm not sure if the Rangers can really afford to keep them, especially when you have at the moment, $6 million worth of cap space at the moment, they will be making some trades to open up that, but that's a different story. Yeah. So Barry Trotz, announced that he's going to take a year off from coaching. So my question is, the Islanders handled the Barry Trotz dismissal right. Shot. I, I, I really don't understand what they were thinking in letting him go. He's the second best coach, and I've said this, he's the second best coach in this team's history. You finally find a coach that has a winning formula. And I get it. There are concerns with him in developing young players, his handling of Oliver Wallstrom. I get it. 
I had the same concerns about Gallant with the way that he's handled Capo Caco and Alexi Lafreniere, Filipino, mm. so on. But I, I just don't get what you're doing with this because now you have the coach that implemented the system. And yes, Lane Lambert is really his protege. I, I get it. But a lot of the times the sequels are never as good as the originals. And that goes for sports too. Um, maybe Lane Lambert ends up being a great fit and he ends up being a very good coach and he ends up being the chip off the block that the Islanders are looking for. But this is just a, to me, this is not a good move. It's not a good move at all. And I, I, I just don't think they should have let him go because there were a bunch of extenuating circumstances that led to them having the season that they had. And it wasn't Trotz's fault that these guys just, couldn't pull through with having to deal with how many guys out on COVID they were at. They were, they were icing an AHL team at one point in November. Um, the, the season start that they have where they were on the road for what, 13 straight games. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that's not going to help anybody at all. And you, you, you just, he, he, it feels like Trax was a scapegoat and lose comments. Definitely don't sit right with me. Um, if, if you're an Islander fan, I don't think they should sit right with you either. That's just my opinion. But something seemed awfully wrong about the way this was handled. Uh, I'm going to go right back to it and say shot as well with you. And I'll keep my answer a little bit short because I think you outlined everything pretty much perfectly. But with the amount of success Barry Trotz had for the New York Islanders, second best coach in their history. They and if, uh, there are reports it was more mutual than what we think. That is a possibility, but I do have to say, Philk, this is one thing where if it was mutual in any way, and supposedly he he recommended Lane Lambert to get the job because they didn't want to lose him to Detroit as a coach. That was another rumor that's out there. If however you want to say it, why wasn't there a press conference? Why wasn't there a press conference with Lou shaking, shaking Barry's hand, saying, thank you very much. Um, there's a mutual parting. They could say you could say they did him a solid and they fired him. And now he's getting a paycheck next year, no matter what. But still, the dismissal. No, it's not handled right. It wasn't handled right. And uh, hopefully when Barry comes back in any way, shape or form, there's a way to honor him for the New York Islander fans. And this is why we wish we had Anthony on to get his opinion on this. But yeah. that, that's something that's something that even look, uh, no matter what team you might be a fan of, but we're also pundits and we also know about this guy as one of the nicest guys in all of hockey. So, no, they did not handle that one right. Even though it looks like Barry wanted to take a year off. It's just what it is. Phil, let's go back to the Stanley Cup Finals. Colorado will win another Stanley Cup within the next three years. I can't say round, but I'm going to say beer. Okay. Uh, because I, I do think that this team has prospects that can step in for the guys that they're going to lose. Um, I wonder what they do with somebody like Arturi Lekkinen. I mean, they, they gave up picks for him at the deadline. Not a ton, but I think they're going to want to keep him around because he's going to be good, affordable, middle six depth. Uh, considering that they're probably going to lose guy, uh, someone like Andre Burakovsky, 
Uh, maybe even maybe maybe they lose Valerian Nichushkin. I doubt they want him because he's a really good defensive player and he put up 50 points. And he probably could put up more points in an increased uh, brawl with more ice time. But um, I, I, I think that they're going to have multiple chances because their defense core, you look at it, Bowen Byram is only going to get better. He's mm-hmm. capable of being a top-pairing defenseman one day. Devon Taves is one of the better defensemen in the league. He's really grown since uh, – not. I mean, not even just since leaving the Islanders, but like – over the last, I would say, four years, Devon Taves' game has just grown so immensely. He's really turned himself into an upper-level defenseman. And then you have Sam Girard. You could turn around and deal him for something this offseason, maybe if they want to go get forward help. And then if they wanted to keep Josh Manson at that point, they could keep Josh Manson if they decide to move on from Sam Gerrard. We've heard that name floated around for a while now that they would be looking to deal him. Um, they want, they want to stay the cup basically without him. They mm-hmm. want without him. So do they really need him? But Colorado has options. They have pieces and they're going to have the ability to manage the cap just fine. So yeah, I'm, I'm going to say beer. I'm going to go right there with you on beer and because the other aspect is you have to look at the teams that are around them. I'm very close to buying everybody around on this because I don't, I mean, I, I don't think Minnesota is going to be able to improve to the point where they can beat them right now. They're going to be in cap hell. St. Louis is, I think the next best team to them. But what happens? We have reservations. What? What happens with Vladimir Tarasenko? That's a big question. You know, you're, you're, you're going to have to worry about that. There are other things there. there I mean, which the, Jordan the, Bennington the, shows up the, the, the Bennington Huso conundrum in net. I mean, you got to worry about that too. If you're St. Louis Vegas, does Vegas rebound? The, there's another one. I mean, cause Dallas. now they're going to have, uh, they're going to have Bruce Cassidy behind the bench. So I got to go with Vegas rebounding. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, I, I the Dallas Stars are going to have Pete the board. They're they're going to get better, and and I've I've I'm very critical on Pete the board. Not in seasons one and two. Seasons one and two, Pete the board is a great coach for that for whatever team you get him for. It, Almost all of John Tortorella. It's a, a, a Lane Vigneault, the same thing. Seasons one and two, it looks very good, and then it's just after that, you know. But um. I mean, Anaheim is going to be on the way up. They're they're not close yet, though, and they could right. deal John Gibson this offseason. Um, L.A., not really there yet, but, I mean, they have some pieces that could bring them on the rise, but they also have a guy like Anze Kopitar who's aging. So they're not the really other, But the other question then, Phil, becomes, what about that team with those two really good players in the upper northwest? Uh, I mean, does Jay Woodcroft finally know what to do with Edmonton? Have they bought into a brand new system? Can they get goaltending? Will Ken Holland fix their goaltending problems? Will Ken Holland actually get them a defenseman? I mean, these are really questions with Edmonton. So, I mean, if you can answer those questions, yeah, then they could become a juggernaut real quick and they can end up derailing Colorado. But, I mean, that management there is just not good. So, I, I have my doubts about Edmonton. And sadly, there's one team I did not mention that I predicted to win the Stanley Cup. And they're going to be dismantled come July 13th when J- 
Johnny Gaudreau leaves. So the Calgary Flames, man, what a what a job Daryl Sutter did, and I can't believe that they came up empty. We're going to switch to the opponents in the Stanley Cup Finals. Tampa's reign is over. Filk, I'm going to go beer, and the reason why is because if you recall – and I, I told you about it this week, and it'll be in our predictions video where we're going to do uh, a recap of our first year at the end of uh, this, uh, at the end of the month, probably maybe even the beginning of August when there isn't much to talk about. But in our preseason prediction, the man right over here that way said, who's your Stanley Cup final? Phil said, Tampa over Colorado in six games. If Tampa gets another defenseman or possibly two forwards, they can be very dangerous. Well, they got the two forwards. They're going to lose Nick Paul. I don't see that any way that they keep him. But that's what Julian Breezeball is going to do. He's got his core. He's got his tweaks. And he just needs to fill it in a little bit. And they could be just as dangerous next year. John. I don't know. Because their cap situation is a weird one. Uh, I mean, you have one year left if Anthony Sorelli at four point eight million. Then he's going to ask for. He's going to. Alex Horn is at four point four five. He's got a modified uh, no trade clause. I believe it's a. Is it a ten team deal? I'm just trying to see how many teams he has. The oh, Alex Horn is on Tampa Bay. I didn't notice him in the Stanley Cup Finals whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah, um, he has a 16-team no-trade list, so he can he can veto team uh, veto trades to half the teams that are leave, but he doesn't have a no-movement clause. Here's the most interesting thing, and although I don't think it's going to happen, I actually think it would probably be in Tampa Bay's best interest to do this and kind of start to retool. Trade Steven Stamkos. See if he'll lift that no-movement clause. He's 32 years old. He has two years left on his deal. He's still highly productive. If you can get best him, season of his career, by the way, this year, arguably, season, yeah. Well, I Most mean, points. points wise, yeah, he was, yeah. But um, if you move him, you can get a haul for him still. Um, you clear up eight point five million dollars in cap space. You can then keep both um, Andre Palat. And possibly even Nick Paul, if you can also move Alex Kalorn. So you can keep a lot of the depth, but you're going to be losing one of your two impact players or one of your three biggest impact, three biggest impact forwards, I should say. Maybe, maybe if you're, maybe you're, if you want to say your three biggest impact players overall, you could. But um, yeah, I, I would, if, I would revisit those talks that that came about like a year or two ago when they were asking about Stamkos moving his no movement clause. So um, I, I would I would try to see if they can move him, but I, I I do think that we're coming very very close to the end, if not the end. So I'm going to say beer here, but it, I'm leaning towards shot. Yeah, I mean that that core is still in place, and then of course if you move on from Stamkos. Then it just frees up the money, and then Braden Point just is right there. They've already but, won a Stanley Cup without, but here's uh, the without Stamkos. Go ahead. Tampa Bay doesn't have prospects. They they drained their cupboard, and then in the Brandon Hagel and Nick Paul trades. Yeah, they all they got left is Cal Foot. Cal Foot is it, and Cal Foot can step in and play defense and everything. But I mean, there's nobody really on the. Uh, they're going to lose Jan Ruta probably. 
which Jan yeah. uh, Ruda underrated, I think. Really a, a decent defenseman. He's going to go somewhere, and he's going to get a, a decent chunk of change to be a defensive guy for a team. But um, no draft capital, as David is saying here. Um, they're just they're in the gutter. So uh, if they had prospects to step right in, yeah, I, I would I would be a little higher on them, but I, I really worry about what they're going to be able to do with not having the prospects to do it. Well, here's the thing. Their prospects, as far as they go, they're all here. Ross Colton isn't uh, going to get a raise yet. No. Um, there's a couple other guys. What do they got for cap space? Like nothing. Like nothing. Okay. Then, yeah, then they're obviously the they're going to lose Nick Paul. They got Brandon Hangel for next year. They're, they're actually in the negative by $1.983 million. Oh, who'd have thought Tampa Bay would be over the cap? And Tampa Bay has a first, they have a first round pick this year in 2022. Um, they don't have a second round pick, a third round pick. They don't have their own fourth round pick. They have Chicago's, and yeah, they don't have a first round pick in 2023 or 2024, and they don't have a second round pick next year in 2023. So their draft capital is just oof. Man, they got they got ravaged. Yeah, but even it, even still, the team as is, all you got to do is figure out maybe one defenseman, possibly two, and then a, a, a third line center, and then they're right back in it again. Because that's them. That's what Tampa but, does. And where's the space? That's the thing. Where's yeah, I know. They're gonna have to do it. They're gonna have to figure out a way to do it from within. Maybe Ross Colton moves the center, and then you have to figure out a winger. So then, yeah. It goes with that. But let's go around. Let's start talking some uh, trade stuff. And you know what? I had it this one listed a little bit lower, but we got to talk about last week and the NHL awards, which all went all deserving candidates and everybody won. That being said, Phil Romagnosi was robbed the Norris this year. And let me just... I'm going to start this one again, Phil. It's 100%. Is He is definitely robbed. Look, Kale McCarr will win a Norris Trophy in his lifetime. So I have no problem with him winning one in general. And Roman Yossi's already got one. But Roman Yossi deserved it this year. 96 points. He had 96 points. The one thing I could say for Kale McCarr is that plus 48 is gaudy. But again, Roman Yossi led his team. No other defenseman. If he had four more points, no other defenseman ever had 100 points and led his team. It's, it drives me crazy because I said at the beginning of the year, we were talking about predictions, that they're just going to hand it to Kel McCarr no matter what. Filk, I leave the rest to you. Well, the last defenseman to score 90 points in a season was Ray Bork in 1994, and he did not lead his team in scoring. Adam Oates did. Um, the 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 defenseman that's had the or actually what I should say Roman Yossi's had the most points in a season by a defenseman since Phil Housley in 1993. Phil Housley didn't have a 76 goal, 132 point rookie sensation named Tamu Solani playing with him. Roman mm -hmm. Yossi did not have that. Phil Housley did, um, and Roman Yossi led his team in scoring. He finished higher than Kale McCarr in points. Roman Yossi played on a team 
with less depth, with less talent. Roman Yossi had only two other players in the top, I would say, 40 in scoring with uh, Philip Forsberg and Matt Duchesne, who Matt Duchesne had an incredible year, best year of his career, 40-plus goals, 80-plus points. Um, but uh, Kel McCarr was actually not – he didn't lead his team in scoring – and Nathan McKinnon basically had as many points as he had, or actually he had two more points. I'm sorry. He had 80. He had one more. He had one more. Oh, wait, no, two eight, more. No, you're right. More. more. Nazem Kadri had one more. Had one more. Yeah. That's why I, just, I had to quickly fix that answer. Yeah. And then Miko Rantanen had 92. And then you had Gabriel Landeskog, who was also in the top 50 in scoring. So why is it that Makar, who is a lesser defender in his own zone, had less points had more help, got the Norris over Roman Yossi. And, and the ballots to me were just unreal. Like I, I there were ballots that didn't even have Roman Yossi in the top three in 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 the voting. Like somebody voted Charlie. I love Charlie McAvoy. Everybody knows I love Charlie McAvoy. But how are you voting Charlie McAvoy over Roman Yossi this year? I'm sorry. No offense if Charlie somehow would have stumbled across this. Charlie, I love you, but I even imagine you would have to admit that Roman Yossi we, had We a love you. Long Beach strong. Yeah, absolutely. Pride of Long Beach, but, like, Roman Yossi just – he was the best defender. He Their – Nationals offense ran through Roman Yossi. Kale McCarr, if he would have went down, that team would still have been a playoff team, probably still would have won their division if they were that good. And again, Calicar, great, 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 great player. Not the best defender in his own zone. So uh, give me Roman Yossi over Calicar. And for that matter, I mean, look, Calicar more than deservingly won the Conn Smythe. One of the best seasons of a defenseman in NHL playoff history. He didn't deserve the Norris this year. That's my opinion. Look, it's my opinion, and I can I can have that, and that's it. He's gonna win a Norris. You didn't need to give it to him right now. Come on, people, it's what you just need to do. I, right. I don't understand. Yeah, I, I just and this is another thing that just really bothered me. Like here, like how is it that Taves was top three in some ballots as well with Makar? Like how, like really, like why are these guys not taking votes away from each other? That at that point? I that drives me crazy whenever that stuff comes up, and I really want to say how much that drives me crazy. Number one, first and foremost, before anything else, I'll go back to the 2000 National League MVP for uh, baseball because Jeff Kent won it. Number two was Barry Bonds. Number three was Mike Piazza. If number two is the second best player, he can't be the most valuable player. Sorry, that's just the way it is. It should have been split votes. The other guy takes it the way it was in 1988 when Daryl Strawberry and Kevin McGrown split votes and Kirk Gibson won it. Yes, back to hockey now. So it's just, you're right about that 100%. And how is Devin Taves in the top three for Norris? Please. Now I, now, I forget. Do the GMs do that one or do the writers do that one? I believe the Norris is right. The Norris is actually writers. No, because I've seen the ballots. And okay. there were the, the, ba- uh, the ballots, honestly, are some of the most brutal 
ballots I've ever seen in my life. I, I have yeah. never seen such terrible, terrible ballots from some of these riders. And it just makes me wonder what they're watching. Like, listen, as people who want to be in the media, it is hard. It is extremely hard. I get, I get center ice or NHL uh, TV, ESPN plus whatever out of market package there is. I get it every year. I have gotten it every year for 20 plus years now, but it is so incredibly hard to watch that much hockey while focusing on one team. It yeah. is so hard. I do not know. And I got to give all the credit in the world. I'm going to plug Shannon Skeens right now, the hockey guy. I'm going to plug him right now because he is incredible at how well his analysis is of all of these different games. He must do nothing in his life but watch hockey because I don't know how he had the time to do that. Yeah, and I'm, I'm still trying to get even to watch condensed games every single day, and it I'm still so running out of time. Hot. There is not enough time to watch all this hockey. And, and, and my, I'm going to stop rambling and get to my point, but it is so hard to watch all that. But I'm going to tell you right now, these guys are definitely not watching the, all these games if some of these ballots are coming in the way that they're coming in because the, the, some of the ballots, the way that they were casted, were piss poor, they were inexcusable, and they show a, a clear dereliction of duty of watching other games outside of their own markets terrible terrible and it did the system's got to change it's it's got it's got to change you can't have guys that right remember in 2012 dan girardi somehow got sixth place in norris voting over ryan mcdonough when ryan mcdonough carried that pairing yes although i thought dan girardi was his career year was 2012 and yeah, was I think he, he got that year. Yes, but Ryan McDonough, Ryan McDonough had 32 points that year. You want to know how many of those came at even strength? I think 31. I think he's he wasn't really 30. a power play quarterback. 30. 30. He yeah. had more even strength points than Shea Weber and Drew Doughty did that year, and Weber was a Norris finalist. Yeah, McDonough and... carried that pairing. Wouldn't be me if I didn't kick my my stand. So, uh, but so by the way, Core, I would love to buy a million rounds. Uh, that would make me definitely one of the most popular people on the planet. And sort of like uh, Harvey Corman in History of the World, Count De Monet. That's De Monet. De, Count De Monet. De Monet. De Monet. You, say you look like the piss boy, <laughs> and you look like a bucket of shit. <laughs> 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 but yeah, um, you know what, Dom, I, I, I understand what you're saying with this. I actually don't think the players should vote on it because then the players are going to have their favorites and they're going to do all that. Shannon, the hockey guy is great. And yes, uh, Yossi was robbed. And by the way, we haven't even mentioned Yossi's playing on a defensive team. Like they're yeah. more defense than anything else. So Let's get back. We do have a couple more of these that we have. I know we have a long bar talk for you guys today. So let's go with the trade market. The New Jersey Devils need to acquire John Gibson. I would say round. Uh, it, we're, we're focusing on the ter on the word need here, right? Yes. So this is not a prediction of, of whether it's going to happen or not. So we're, we're just going on the word need. Yeah, round. Round, yeah. absolutely round, and uh, they 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 need him. They need him like we need air to breathe. 
Um, Mackenzie Blackwood is is not the guy. He's not. Nico Dawes is obviously not the guy either. They just don't have anybody that's going to really move the needle in net. Sorry, they just don't. And until they get somebody and then they get more defensive help, they're not going to be able to take that next step. But the problem is, do they have the readily available assets that they're going to be willing to move to get somebody like John Gibson? Because I can't see them moving somebody like um, Jesper Brat. I, I think they're going to resign. Him. Absolutely not. Not now. Resign him. I, I think they're going. They're not going to move Luke Hughes. I can tell you that right now. Jack, Jack would throw a. He would throw a shit fit if they, if Luke was moved. I can tell you that yeah. right now. He would not be happy. Um, they're not going to move Nico Heischer. I, I can't imagine moving Nico Heischer to get John Gibson because that doesn't make sense for them unless they want to draft Shane Wright, which could happen if um, Bob McKenzie, who has not been wrong for – who's not been wrong since 2009 about who the first overall pick is going to be. Now he's saying it's your uh, – now he's saying it's uh, your Slavkovsky. So, um, which I think would be amazing if that happens, Phil, because the yeah. devils are dangling and, and, and I'm going to, I'm going to just finish the sentence and get right back to your point. Devils are dangling that number two pick to see if somebody wants to trade up for it. So that way they can move out of that. And if the devils end up having to get stuck with that pick, they probably don't draft Shane, Wright. Shane, Wright Then falls to three and Arizona coyotes. Congratulations. You just got a franchise center. Supposedly. Uh, well, let's, I mean, Wright's draft gear has not gone great. I mean, it's been productive, but they're saying, they're saying that the ceilings from the guys of these drafts is like potential first liners. This is starting to remind me of 2011, this draft. Mm. Oh, so, uh, you, well, what was the final thought? Beer or shot or you was buying everybody, right? No, I said, but round. Okay. I think I forgot if I did that for you, by the way, no. Phil, I'm going to go right back to it with you. Uh, we're going to go with John Gibson. They need to get a goalie. They need to go outside the organization and get a goaltender, whether it's Darcy Kemper, whether it's Philly Huso, whether it's John Gibson, and John Gibson's right there and available for the taking. Speaking of teams that can come out of their rebuilds, the Devils are one of them. I wrote the entire article this week uh, on the Devils, so I had the, the opportunity to really kind of dissect them and look at it. And I got to say, uh, I didn't – Phil was just talking about this. I wasn't following the Devils all season. I didn't know Jesper Bratt had 73 points. I thought he was a pretty good player. 73 points. These, this guy literally could be on the cusp of becoming a star for the Devils. And you also look at Nico Heischer enjoyed a pretty good year playing 60 games for the first time since his rookie season. Uh, and, he, and he was just about a point per game. Uh, he had 60 points. I know that too. Um it's uh, 70 games he played, 60, uh, 60 points. But y- you look at everything that the Devils have going, you know, trade that, and you could trade that number two draft pick and get something back. Anaheim would swoop this up in a second. Second overall pick for John Gibson, boom, there we go. And easily they could do that. So why not go get it? All right. We got two more for you guys. Uh, Filk, in the news this week, Paul Maurice was named coach of the Florida Panthers, who has been a good coach in the past. He's been to a Stanley Cup final, too. But Paul Maurice will have his most successful year with the Florida Panthers. 
Are we just talking regular season or are we talking regular season and playoffs? Yes, both of them. I'm going to say beer because you got to remember, he went to a Stanley Cup Finals in 2002. And um, had they not run into a team that had nine future Hall of Famers on it at the time, maybe they win that Stanley Cup. And they did it with a goaltending tandem of Artur Zerbe and Kevin Weeks. So um, they they had a uh, they they had a they had a pretty good uh, year that year. So um, I'm going to say beer just because of the fact that um, I think it's going to be tough for Florida to take that next step with a brand new coach bringing in an entirely new system. It's going to it's going to be rough. They might take a step back in the standings. They still have a lot of talent. Um, they need help on defense. And I don't know what's happening with Sergei Bobrovsky. Supposedly um, they might deal him and Spencer Knight might take over as the, uh, as the starter and, and, and clearing that cap space would help them go a long way towards adding that defender. But it just seems like Florida is in kind of a, a weird state to be in. Agreed on that. Now, what I have to say with this also is I think Paul Maurice is going to make him play better defense. I think Paul Maurice is going to make him more tougher mentally. Paul Maurice has been a winner at every single place he's ever uh, coached. And it started back with the Hartford Whalers. That's how long he's been coaching. And he ends up getting Hartford to the Stanley Cup Finals in 2002, like you said before. And that was still with Brenda Moore and Francis on the team. Then he gets fired, gets replaced by Peter Laviolette. And I said it right. Hey, <laughs> first try. And then he ends up going back to Carolina for a few years. We're, gets in the wait, wait, wait. We're, we're recording this, right? We are recording this, yes. <laughs> and um, then he ends up moving on. Uh, I forgot. Who he, I don't think he coached anybody in the middle. But then he ends up going back to Carolina again, then over to Winnipeg, has a great couple of seasons in Winnipeg. Who knows what Winnipeg would have done if they didn't run into the buzzsaw known as, I can't believe I'm saying these words, the 2018 Las Vegas Golden Knights. And then moving on to, where is he going to go now? You go to the Florida Panthers. This team has got, this This team makes, makes the Jets of 2018 look like hacks as far as the talent level goes. So... Uh, yeah, I think I got some confetti. Uh, yeah, I got, I got some confetti. Mark pronounced the name right on the first try. Uh, and so, I mean, Paul Maurice, I'm actually going to buy everybody around on this. I think he might make another Stanley cup final. I think this team might win a Stanley cup with him at the helm. And wow. it sounds kind of funny to say like that because you're in, the, it, it is a lot harder to win the East right now than it is. They're the West. close. They are close. It, it, it's just, it, like I said, it's a matter of what moves they make, really. But I got to tell you, one thing that stuck out about the Florida Panthers in the playoffs, two power play goals. That's all they had. Yeah. That's, wow. And that team built to win, to score on the power play and such. And then, no, they, they have to do better. Speaking about people that kind of have to do better and – um. Not that I'm trying to insult anybody, but Phil, next year's finals will be presented better on TNT 
because it's going to be on TNT next year, if I recall correctly. And and the hand hands down, it's I'm buying everybody around. Um, Put me down for a round two. Yeah, we're just I'm just gonna click it right now too. I mean, ESPN. Whenever they have a chance to fumble it, they always fumbled it. And um, I, look, we've we've had Ray Ferraro on. He's a great guest on the show, and he was fantastic with us. I actually like Ray Ferraro as as an analyst. I've heard lots of people complain. Um, and I, I think the crew is, is good. It's just, um, their, th- their presentation, something was off the entire time. That's the way it felt. That's the way it felt in the regular season. That's the way it felt early in the playoffs too. Um, why wasn't Kevin Weeks given more, uh, screen time? Why wasn't he like a three man booth with Messier and Chelios? It's just, uh, it's, and, and, and of course, every time they shoot Emily Kaplan, it's always bad lighting and a bad angle. Give the girl a break. So, Philk, any other thoughts? Uh, I mean, this is one of those times where you kind of just took the words out of my mouth. <laughs> I really don't have a whole lot else to say. I mean, I like I. Plus, I like TNT's crew uh, better. I mean, minus minus the uh, the one whose name I won't mention because he's just not worth my breath. But um, I, I I like Anson Carter a lot. I've been a big fan of his ever since he stepped into the booth. Um, Likewise. I obviously love Wayne Gretzky. That goes without saying. Um, I I just, I mean, I even like Rick Tockett. Rick Tockett's been pretty good. Um, Yeah. I'm surprised he's, it doesn't have a coaching job right now. Maybe he'll get one soon. Who knows? But um, I, I, I do like Ray Ferraro, but uh, yeah, Kevin Weeks, um, why would you bring him in to just keep him in a studio? He's a guy that you should have on TV at all times because one, he's great. Two, he's got a great personality. Three, he's got energy and Mm -hmm. he understands the game as good as anybody that's out there on, on any of these TV panels. I, I just, I think he's one of the very best out there and I don't understand what they're doing. Just keeping him in a studio between periods. Like if you want to do that with Messier and Chelios, Okay, fine. I mean, I, I like having those guys there between periods, but get Kevin Weeks more screen time. And the only other thing that we could ever think and point out with that is maybe TSN gobbles him up or um, one of the Canadian ones. But, I mean, Kevin Weeks. Kevin Weeks is such a great personality for, for the NHL. And, uh, and, and there, there's plenty of other guys that are going to be great too. I mean, PK Subban is going to be great when he's doing TV full time. Um, it, it's there's, and I, I like seeing Callahan. I like, I love seeing Ryan Callahan too, but again, why bring him in and then, you know, leave the Ferrari in the garage in the, in, in the Stanley cup finals. No, no, you, they should have brought him in. All right, guys, that's going to actually conclude bar talk for us. And uh, first off, everybody, thanks for playing along in the comments. Uh, I'm going to be doing a new poll question for you guys in a moment because we'll we're going to have a little bit of discussion. We'll also get some ideas uh, to get some of your comments out. But everybody also do not forget that if you go to manscaped.com, you get 20% off when you use the code BAH and free shipping. And there's Philk showing off. His manscaped, his uh, manscaped uh, raise uh, buzzer. He didn't show up the manscaped bod yet. I mean, that's 
that's that's well we've we'll let Phil do that in time. But um I actually am wearing my manscaped shirt. Uh but we're you know and uh I won't I, I won't exactly show it off. I did it at the bar the other night. That was a bad decision. Somebody went, do you use it? I just pulled my shirt up. Not the best of ideas, but it is nice and smooth, which I can say is much better than my talking. I mean, I, I, I could tell you right now, I have the other products. I'll, I'll actually, I'll go grab them. So uh, no court, not big apple hockey only fans. <laughs> <laughs> oh, although if we ever do like subscriptions and stuff, technically that would be there. So it's, it's, it's all in there. Um, <laughs> no, no, no. Speaking about things, no, no, no. I haven't deleted this photo yet. If anybody needs a reason to know why the New York Rangers should not resign Ryan Strom, hoot, there it is. I mean, come on. Anyone could have put that puck in the net. Ryan Strom. Ugh. Yeah, you're going to have to look at that moment and then the Jacob Truba penalties as the turning point in that series. And yeah. just the ball toner. All right. So what exactly does a ball toner? So it's basically kind of like a spray that, you know, kind of like a deodorant. Uh, well, there's also this, which is kind of a rub on, but this is more of a, like a spray cologne type thing. Mm -hmm. And then foot deodorant. So if you got bad smelling feet... And then there's crop preserver, which is basically sort of almost like the same thing as the ball deodorant, but it's a little different. And then you got wipes too. So there's always actually, a good thing. I actually got these probably, probably like a year and change, maybe close to two years ago. I actually have been with Manscaped for a while. So I've, uh, it, it, it's good smelling product too, which is awesome. And it's not, it's not an overbearingly like bad smell, which is probably the biggest thing for me because you don't want something that's overbearing. Like if you're, if you ever get to that point with a girl and you know, you're just like, okay, like, and, you know, things start getting hot and then it starts, you know, it's just like, what the hell is that smell? Like, you know, that's, that's too strong. Like you don't want that. It's, it's not like that. It's not like that. It, it, it really is awesome product. Uh, like I said, I've been using these for I would say two years or so, maybe maybe under just under two years. I, I've been with Manscaped for a while though, well before this, so I'm very happy. Um, Mark actually has the newer version of this. I have this is the older version of it. So um, yeah, the the lawnmower 3.0 is what I got, and yeah, I think uh, I have. The I'm, I'm 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 very impressed. It's a lot better than trying to use the straight razor on that because uh, fortunately I'm already pretty hairless. It's just that. If I kind of let it grow out, I look like a mana lantern. So no, that's that's not a good thing uh, whatsoever. <laughs> like I just I, I ended up getting like hair right here and then like the nose, and then it looks like that. I don't have. I don't have the trimmer. I I probably should get the trimmer because I could probably use it. But um, <laughs> yeah, uh, that I mean I, I've heard the trimmer works. Uh, <laughs> Oh, uh, all right now okay so i by the way i put up a new poll question for everybody um which is it should be there i don't understand where it is but uh yeah who is the most who is the most dangerous non-playoff team Phil? from this year 
Yeah, I put four of them on there, but um, what four teams you, did you put? I put the Islanders, the Devils, the Golden Knights, and the Vancouver Canucks. I've got to say the Golden Knights because they they're their cap situation's a little weird just because of the whole Weber LTIR thing, but they're going to be able to. They're going to be able to work the cap, and and but you, you still have Eichel and William Carlson down the middle. Um, you, you know, they they have guys. They do. They they have talent, um, and they have a good defense. Um, it just their goaltending is really. I mean, Robin Leonard was not as good as he's previously been these last few years, so. Uh, I, I wonder about that, but Vegas does have the makings of a really good team. They just they need to make a few tweaks, and I think they could be real dangerous again. So uh, the Islanders, I think there's some major work to be done there, and there's a brand you know there's a brand new coach that's unproven. Vegas also just got a really good coach that is proven. I, you know what? I I don't know if you saw my post on Twitter about about it but um i i put up the gif of uh marchand over skating the puck in the shootout against philly <laughs> and it said the boston bruins extending don sweeney for him to fire bruce cassidy to hire david quinn yeah and that's that, that marchand over skating of the puck is literally that to a t i can't believe that tweet wasn't a real banger uh, is, is, by the way, is that is that official yet? Is David Quinn? I know he's the, on the short list. Uh, no, David it's not official yet, but it, it's he's considered by many to be the favorite. I, I cannot believe that. And you know what? Look, good for David Quinn, but also I have my frustrations following him as a Ranger fan. I'm the guy that bought in. I'm the guy that he sold. I was hook, line, and sinker. Before the play-in round. And then Squadoosh in the playoffs. They were just awful. So um, now I'm going to go. Uh, and, and you got me sort of convinced with the Las Vegas Golden Knights. We're going to have their end of the season thoughts on uh, Big Apple Hockey. Hopefully with uh, on within the week. Um, but I'm going to show the team that I wrote about this week. Which was the Vancouver Canucks. I think they're making the playoffs this year, next year. And I think they are going to be a real solid team. Bruce, there it is, is a real thing. It, all this team really needs just they, – they needed to just restart the season with Bruce Boudreaux. And then they're in the playoffs. And you know what? Uh, Elias Pettersson came back. His last two months looked like Elias Pettersson again. JT Miller was playing at almost 100 points. JT Miller and 100 points, Phil. It would take him two years to get there as a New York Ranger. So, um, I mean, there's there's so many things to go with the Canucks. Then they add on this Russian superstar who uh, just came over from the KHL, and we'll see how he is. No, we'll see how he is. I'm not saying anything uh, anything else on top of that. Um, there's a couple other young players that they got going. And you know what? Who knows? The Canucks can really kind of make some noise next year in a very weak, very weak West. Um, the Pacific Division is, isn't is that great. 
And that's with, even with Arizona moving over. So to the central and that happened last year. So not this year, but it's just, you know, I, I think it could be the Canucks. So, um, we got 9% of people saying the Islanders and 27% so far saying the devils. So that's really some of the interest that has to go with that guys. Also feel free to keep on throwing down your comments on that. We're going to make this a little bit of a segment when it comes to next year and I'm uh, sorry, next, uh, for next week. So that way, just in case people miss the podcast, but Philk, uh, we're going to go to the rumor mill and start taking questions right now because you were talking about a certain center from the Winnipeg Jets today in our group chat. Yeah, um, Francois Gagnon uh, from RDS, which is basically um, my, the French Canada's uh, version of ESPN slash TSN, uh, came out and said today that uh, the Rangers are very interested in a Pierre-Luc Dubois. And Chris Drury has been talking to the Winnipeg Jets about it. Nothing done, but um, the Rangers are the Rangers are are, are talk, in talks. I, I, from what I'm getting, I don't know how far along they are. I don't know if it's just initial talks. I don't know if it's just a feel out phase. But um, three days ago, I, I put up on my Twitter that I just had this strange feeling that the Rangers end up with Pierre Luc Dubois, and I've been saying for a while for a while going back to like the start of the playoffs, I think was when I first started saying this, but I think the Rangers are going to make a big move sometime between this off season and the next off season. I don't know exactly when it was going to be, but they were going to make a big, big move. And I, I think this might be it. And it just, for some weird reason, when I found that Pierre-Luc Dubois became available, just for me, it fits like a glove. He, he just he fits in so many different ways. He's 24 years old, so he fits in their timeline. Um, evolving hockey is uh, projecting his next salary to be about six million. So that, that fits within the Rangers' cap constraints. They can make that work. Um, he has obvious chemistry with Artemi Panarin, playing with him during the 2018-19 season. He was their top center, centering. Our, uh, our, the aforementioned Artemi Panarin and Cam Atkinson on Columbus's first line. He has two 20-goal, 60-point seasons, including a 28-goal season this year. And he was not playing on uh, Winnipeg's top line uh, uh, until Mark Trifley got injured. Then he became their top center, and Paul Stastny moved up to number two. But, um, you know, I can tell you right now um, – Pierre-Luc Dubois also makes a lot of sense because he's big. He can open up ice for a guy like Artemi Panarin. Um, he plays a heavy game, playoff-type hockey, which is what the Rangers are going to want more of. Obviously, we've seen this in the last year and change, that they've gone out of their way to bring in players who play that bigger, heavier, grittier game because they wanted to get away from the whole uh, you know, we're going to get pushed around type dynamic like they did, you know, against Washington during the Tom Wilson incident. So Pierre-Luc Dubois makes a lot of sense on a lot of different levels. And I'm not surprised in the, the, the slightest bit to hear that Chris Drury um, is in on him. Um, me just saying that was just a weird gut feeling. I, I, I'm, I don't have any inside sources here. I don't have any inside information. I don't have access to anything. This is just me, just a gut feeling. I, I just think that they're going 
to trade for him. I think it's going to happen. And I, I think it makes sense now. I think you, you help keep your window open and, and get to that next level, depending on what you do to address the rest of your lineup and who goes back the other way. I have a feeling Filipino is going in that deal because they're going to need to send some salary back the other way. I think they'll move Patrick Nemeth um, separately. So mm-hmm. that's like 4 million. I think Ryan Strom and Andrew Kopp would probably both be gone unless Kopp takes a discount to stay, which I don't think is happening. Um, but I, I think Ryan Strom has, I think that's, I think that's it for him. I, I, I think the missed nets, I think the defensive liability that he is, I think the, the lack of improvement on faceoffs. I, I, I just think all that spells the end for Ryan Strom. And I know that a lot of guys in that locker room like Ryan Strom and Artemi Panarin happens to like Ryan Strom a lot, but you can keep Artemi Panarin happy and you can bring in a better player to help that line out overall because their, their five on five production was not good this year. That line, it weren't mm. just weren't. So um, I, I, I do think that Pierre-Luc Dubois ends up a Ranger. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked if it's before the draft. Um, you forgot one thing about Ryan Strom. You forgot about careless offensive zone penalties. So that's, oh, like that's another thing. Washington at the end of each of the first two periods in that game within the final five seconds of the period. Exactly, yeah. And I, I bring that up all the time because statistically speaking, how the hell is that even possible? And Ryan Strom's able to do that. It's, it's, I, I, I just, I always shake my head whenever I think about Ryan Strom and not for nothing. It's because no, Ryan Strom is not the answer. Ryan, I, I, I've used this line several times. If Ryan Strom is the answer, what the hell is the question? So any event, uh, I, I think he kind of outlined, outlined it pretty, pretty good. I just hope it doesn't impede using Kako and Lafreniere a little bit more on um, on on power play one. You got to start using these guys because if you if you if you're keeping them off to the side, they're never going to develop. And this is where it's we've had this conversation, and I know uh, Statboy Steven has said it too, where it's just are the Rangers really better off winning these lotteries? Or if they were moved back a little bit more, then you have like Marco Rossi and um, uh, I can't believe uh, Trevor Zegers. If they don't win these lotteries, then they probably end up with Trevor Zegers and Anton Lundell. There you go. Thank you. And now your center position's done, and you don't have to worry about anything else. And I still think I still think the world of Kaka. I I I watched him in the playoffs. The eye test says the numbers are coming. And that's why if you would ask me, would I trade Kako for a Pierre to Luke Dubois? I'm going to hesitate first before maybe saying yes. Uh, and I just think, because uh, you watch in the playoffs when he had the puck and he controlled it, by the way, 24 people watching right now. Thank you very much, guys. And since that is a reminder about Kako Kapo, uh, Kapo Kako. <laughs> but um, it's, it's one of those things that it's, you know, this, this kid, given the opportunity, he's going to shine. That's just what it's going to be. So I, I would, I'll hope you kind of write about this. And I, and I know Core mentioned it in one of the first ones on there that um, it's that they could be in play for PLD. I, I believe uh, 
I I believe a lot of our guys have had this. Uh, John D. Lee, I believe, also mentioned him too. It's just you know, I don't want to see it at the expense of and and you're right, and it's and and look, the Rangers are a top heavy team. I've said this numerous times. If they go with their power play, they go with it for 90 seconds. So your your second tier guys don't need to be that great. The fact that I think they had, I think a couple power play goals from power play two. I know I think both were Frank Vetrano was amazing in the playoffs. So um, I didn't think Vetrano was amazing in the playoffs. I thought he was good at points. I no, no, I meant the fact that they got the two goals from power play two because oh, it doesn't happen. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Uh, Vetrano was good. Um, was they can replace Frank Vetrano. Yeah. I mean, yeah. if he wants to take a discount, I mean, his numbers were not great this year, Vetrano. So um, if he wants to take a discount to stay, I, I would be for it just because they're going to need wing depth. And not only that, but like you, you give him time, you give Brennan Offman, someone like that, if he, if he's not going the other way in the deal, you give him time to, to kind of come up because Vetrano had 32 points, 18 goals in 71 games, like, not great by any means that should maybe get him in the $3 million range. But if he wants to stay for about two, two, 2.25 million, because he wants to win here because he basically came out and said that he, that they, they, he doesn't want to leave and they have unfinished business. You know, I, I mean, I, I like the idea of having Frank, Frank Petrano as a depth scorer on the wings. So. Uh, we just got a message from our Anthony LaRocco. Uh, it's a tweet uh, for, I was just investigating it. It doesn't exist anymore, but according to Elliot Friedman, the New Jersey devils and the Ottawa senators are considered the front runners for Kevin Fiala. So, and the Kevin Fiala yeah, is going to move to a new team and make a real good addition somewhere. Oh yeah. I mean, Fiala would be a great pickup for the devils, but I, I mean, if, if that's the case, what are they sending? Because Kevin Fiala ain't worth the, the second overall pick. Not even in this draft. But, I mean. Right. I mean, it would be an interesting. Kevin deal. Fiala had a great year, but I just, I don't know if I would give up a second overall pick for Kevin Fiala at this point. Would you give I up really... Alexander Holtz? I mean, Fiala's young. I think he's 25 or 26. But at the same time, like, if you if you move on from Holtz and, and you need guys like that on your team because you're going to need to – you're going to need to have players that are under team control that are young on your team for a while. Fiala, Fiala will turn 26 this month. So, yeah. I mean – Here's here's the one answer. If I'm the New Jersey Devils, uh, the, I if somebody walked up to me to say, "So we'll we'll give you Kevin Fiala. Can you send us back Lawson?" I wouldn't let him finish saying Lawson Mercer. That kid is going to be Lawson. Yeah, he's going to be fantastic. Uh, I I think Dawson Mercer will be a good second line center. I think he's going to be one of those like jack-of-all-trades type players. Um, I, I think his hot start this year was a little deceiving, but I, I do think Dawson Mercer will be a, a good jack-of-all-trades type player that it's like a Swiss Army knife, just does a little bit of everything at a very good level. So, 
Yeah, it's awesome, Mark. Uh, and you know what? The, but I, like I wrote today that, or in the article, the Devils have a lot of pieces in play. I think the Devils are going to re- be regretting that Dougie Hamilton contract very soon. Like 31, I think it was 31 points I had him at. Uh, uh, just the Devils power play was ranked 28th, 15.6. Well, you got Dougie Hamilton on there. That should be a lot better. Um, he had, yeah, he had 30 points in 62 games. That's That's not bad. That that's close to a 40 point pace, but still, I mean, that's not going to get it done. No, you, but again, you don't have a lot of great options on that power play. You have Hughes, Hamilton, your brat kind of came out of nowhere. Um, he's your, they they still need a they still need a pure pure finisher on there. They they don't they don't have a pure finisher, and that's what you would hope uh, Alexander Holtz would be. So I did I did find one mistake. I have to fix that really quick. What? <laughs> um, even though I have it saying Dawson Mercer, it, at one point it said Lawson. So that might have been. Yeah, right. that's why I corrected you saying. No, I don't. No, even though the very next line I have it saying Dawson Mercer, 17 goals, 25 assists, 42 points. Hell of a rookie season for him. But yeah, no, I mean, I saw the mistake. So I had to fix that. So, but again, I mean, does it, Phil, here's the question for you on that. If they get Fiala, does that move him out of Johnny Gaudreau time? Um, cap wise, they have the ability to do it, but uh, that would be the the problem. You're gonna if they're gonna go after Johnny Gaudreau at that point, you're gonna tie up a lot of your cap over a, a very long period of time with the two of them. So, how are you going to make this work at that point? Because Johnny Gaudreau is going to be a, a ten plus million dollar salary. He's going to probably be like an eleven million dollar salary. Yeah. How how is New Jersey going to make that work? Like long term, long, long term. That's so. a good question. And it's the best year for Gaudreau to make the, uh, to uh, become a free agent after his first 100 point season. But I mean, the, a lot of these teams are going to really ask for that question of how are we going to afford them long term? Yeah, mean, that, that's the thing. That's what I don't get. Like, I, I you're going to have a lot of you're gonna have a lot of players on that team that you're gonna have to eventually give cap or uh cap to i mean jack hughes you've got signed for eight million for a long time which is great nico Hughes has got five more years left at 72.5 or 7.25 um and by the way puck yeah i think that's the first time i saw you so welcome to the show yeah i was gonna say that's a pretty awesome name i just saw that too but um (laughs) Tomas Tatar off the books after this year at 4.5. Same with Andreas Johansson. Um, Igor Sharangovich, you're going to have to give a raise to. Yannick Kokonen, they're probably going to want to give a raise to. Michael McLeod, they're not really worried about. He hasn't really shown anything. Dawson mm-hmm. Mercer got two more years left until he hits his RFA deal, and then you're going to have to give him a significant raise. Jesper Brat, you have to give him a significant raise now. Jesper Boquist is probably also going to require a significant raise right now. What is a significant raise for Jesper Brat? 
Oh God, he's probably looking at six million. I mean, those numbers. Uh, again, I'm going to borrow my own words 70, again about 73 him. Seventy-three points in seventy-six games after seasons of. 16 goals and 32 points in 60 games, which is about a 40-point, just over a 40-point pace. And then he had seven goals and 30 points in only 46 games last year. He's looking probably closer to seven, if seven maybe even 7-5 if they want to, because they might sacrifice and give him more to have him take more years. I mean, here's a couple of numbers that I threw out there. Uh, first off, let me just say this about Nico Heischer. Captain Nico Heischer played in 70 games for the first time since his rookie season. It was just under a point a game with 60 on a team with a negative 59 in goal differential. The former top Swiss overall uh, overall selection was a minus one. Jesper Bratt led the team in scoring with 73 points. It could be an emerging star with 26 goals and 47 assists. Bratt doubling his production from any season in almost every section. 10 more goals than his previous career high and 22 more assists than any other season. And his even rating shows that he's more than just a one-way player. This guy could be really emerging for the New Jersey Devils. He sure, yeah. I mean, Brad, yeah. And then he sure, I mean, I've always said that he sure plays like a Datsuk light type game. They have 25 million in cap space. 25, 3-3-4-1-6-7. And that's with Boquist, Bratt, Miles Wood, and Pavel Zaka do RFA deals. You have mm. PK Subban off the books now, so his nine and a half million don't count against the cap anymore. Then you've got to bring in a goaltender because Mackenzie Mackenzie Blackwood makes two point eight million, but he's a restricted free agent after this year. Jonathan Bernier has actually no Jonathan Bernier is, is still there, so you got Jonathan Bernier coming back next year. So yeah, yeah, but but you got it. So he he counts towards the cap because he's not on LTIR. He was just on IR to end the season, so he's not LTIR. So he counts against the cap. So um, I don't I don't think you're gonna move him yet. So I don't think a goaltender unless unless they go and trade for John Gibson, which I don't know if they will, considering that Bernie still got a year and Blackwood still got a year. Maybe they. Maybe they take a look at it and say, hey, you know what? This might be the time to strike on goaltending and just make the move. But Ryan Graves, $3.166 million free agent after next year. I don't know if they'll bring him back. Ty Smith, eight, eight, $863K this year. But restricted free agent after next year, he's going to probably get a raise to $3 million, if maybe four, depending on what they think of him. So um, Pavel Zaka, I think, is probably not even going to get qualified. I, I just think that I think they're done with him. I just think that they've realized he's a bust. Like he wasn't worth his draft position. Okay, you know what? He had a nice year in 2021 with 35 points, 17 goals in 50 games, 15 goals, 36 points this year in 70 games, which is a clear downgrade. Only one more point in 20 more games. Mm-hmm. I think they're done with him. I think he's hit the end of the road. I think there needs to be a change of scenery for Pavel Zaka. So I, I think he's gone. Yeah, I think Pavel Zak has played his last game in New Jersey. Um, it's it's somebody that they've tried to do everything with. And um, it, they got a lot of – I'm still surprised Mackenzie Blackwood has just gotten worse and worse and worse every single year. He's in 20 – I think it was 2018, 2019. He looked like he was going to be their goaltender of the future. 
and just he's just he might be shot on top of everything. Like I mean, his his numbers not one number has improved since save percentage goals against have gone up. Uh, well, save percentage has gone down. Goals against has gone up every single year. It's almost like the beginning of Bill and Ted's excellent adventure. Bowling scores are way up. Golf scores are way down. Um, it's, I mean, it, 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 I think the, the biggest change for that team is going to be coming, I'll say, within the first month of the season when they fire Lindy Ruff. I don't think he makes it to, to Thanksgiving. Wow, that's a bold one. Okay. Okay. They've already, they've already redone all the assistant coaches. So they're giving him the chance to start the season. If he doesn't come out hot, doesn't matter. Fair point. It's a fair, it's bold, but it's a fair point. Yeah. I mean, not that I'm rooting for anybody to lose their job. I think it could be a very quick hook for him. Yeah. And... I, I agree with you. I do yeah. agree. I, I, I think he's on a very, very short leash. But you're you're right. If they start off like cold in October into November. Um, yeah, that could be, that could be it for him. Um, I actually just went by this tweet, uh, even though we're going to get some of your questions right now. Uh, matter of fact, I'm going to put that on there. About... I, I've actually got to get going though. I do apologize. Oh, do? Yeah. oh no, it's okay. Then you know what? Let's just, we'll just wrap it up. Uh, although I did see this from, uh, Ryan Mead which says, do the Rangers make the Eastern Conference Finals if Dolan doesn't fire J.D. and Gorton? I don't think so. I don't think so either. Uh, I don't. I, I think that they're in change as much as as much as that was ridiculous. And, I, you know, I, I thought that I, J.D. didn't deserve the axing. I, I just – there needed to be a change there. It needed to happen. All right. So, guys, and I didn't even put it up the entire show because I've just been uh, running around. But, of course, don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. And, um, yeah, Phil, as Phil said, we're going to cut this one short because uh, I do have a couple other things that I have to get done for us today for the channel and everything. And also, like I did mention before, we got a brand new logo that's going to be introduced. And... Uh, Looking forward to all the different possibilities and stuff like that that's coming along. So uh, it's it's great. It's great having all you guys to join us today. And I was worried it was just going to be me. And then at the last minute, this guy comes comes out of the bullpen and just goes, yep, I'm, I'm available this afternoon. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but um, definitely tune in to us for the draft coverage next week. But we're also going to be doing some uh, a show probably Wednesday as well. And uh, then we also have the free agent coverage, which is going to be happening on the 13th. Still so much to do. This is, this is so much of the fun season. And you know what, Phil, I know, I know you're getting out of here, but there's one thing you forget about this part of the season. And that's, um, and that's like it to, uh, what's that sound? Oh no, no. I know what that sound is. Hold on. It's, this is Gabriel Landeskog with the Stanley Cup yesterday. And he's he's letting his daughter sip from it. Huh. Like, isn't yeah, that just the cutest thing? 
that's just the cutest thing. That's what the great part about. And yeah, <laughs> I wonder if it's beer though. I don't think it was beer or champagne though. I don't, I don't think so. All right. Uh, but again, everybody, thank you very much for joining us today. Sorry that we're cutting it. Actually, we had a two-hour show, so yeah. we're cutting this part short, the Q&A. But uh, everything else was fantastic today. Always great having you with us. Keep recommending us to everybody. Uh, like the Facebook page. And again, look for all the, the Big Apple merch that we're going to have coming out soon because we're, we're only just getting started. There's a lot more to do. Thank you, everybody, for today. Thank you. Take care, everybody. Let's go, Rangers. <laughs>